Hello everyone. I'm so excited to be here today at the very first conference of the International Forum of the Senior Executive Advisors. My name is Wendy Chung and I'm a solicitor at CM Murray LLP. We're one of the proud sponsors today of the conference on risk reward and reputation management issues for senior executives and founders and their special advisors. I'm delighted to be joined here today by an inspirational panel of speakers from today's session on identifying and developing the global senior executive of the future. The session was led by Alison Young, a director of Leaders in Change and an executive coach. Gail McManus was also on the panel as the founder of PER, a recruitment specialist in the private equity sector. Rick Vazel is the chief compliance officer at Barclay Card and also has a background in both legal and finance. Dara McCann joins us from the Netherlands, where she is an experienced HR leader and coach for SES Satellites. And finally, but no means least, we have Asher Haji, who is a co-founder of the Founders Academy. I'll now hand you over to Alison Young, who's going to take us through some of the highlights from today's session. Thank you, Wendy, and uh, welcome, everybody. We use, by way of context, a report that's just come out, actually, and published in the MIT Sloan Review. Uh, Four and a half thousand leaders over 120 countries were interviewed, and what came out was that just 12% of the respondents strongly agree that their leaders have the right mindsets to lead them forward. Furthermore, that only 40% uh, of those companies are building robust leadership pipelines to tackle the demands of the digital economy. Uh, and really worryingly, less than 10% of respondents strongly agree that their organisations have leaders with the right skills to thrive in the digital economy. So this is saying to us as we sit around and talk about identifying and developing the leaders for the future, there's a gap and we need to do something about it. Uh, what we're going to first do is think about how do we identify leaders? How do we spot those people who we think have that special something that's really going to make them successful in the future? What are our thoughts on that? Well, I think that you're looking for somebody who shows a certain level of flexibility, um, who has an abundant mindset, who um, is risk tolerant and can understand where and when to make those judgment calls, um, who is people focused um, and has levels of EQ as well as levels of IQ. So just to have the technical smarts is not enough anymore. You definitely have to be emotionally intelligent and be aware of your people and how, what, what it is that's going to motivate people um, to stay with you in the workplace. So could we talk a bit more about what you mean by an abundant mindset? It's not a phrase I've heard before. I think I can visualise what it means. But what do you mean when you say that? The example I always use for this, and this is from Franklin Covey, so the Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, which is learning that's been around for a long, long time. And it's a really great foundational learning for this type of thing. So the, the tangible example I always use in any of the sessions that we run is... Um, you have somebody who wins the lottery and they run out to their neighbours and they go, look, I've won the lottery. And the, uh, the, the neighbour with the scarcity mentality, which is the opposite to an abundant mentality, will be like, oh, that's not fair. I wish I could win the lottery. And it's, I'm never going to win the lottery. Or somebody with an abundant mentality with, oh, it was so close. Maybe the next time it will be me. So it is in that sort of like, actually, there is enough to go around and we can make everything bigger I might have a less of a piece, the piece of the pie that I have might be less, but it'll be a bigger pie. So it is, does that help? 
Yes, that helps. Easy. Thank you. Because I work in financial services and in particular private equity. Mm-hmm. And um, I would say that an abundant mindset isn't particularly the natural uh, way of thinking for many of the people I deal with. But it is interesting in what you say, because when I do see people who I really feel are going to be able to take a business forward... I might not see that sense of generosity, but I do see an abundance of understanding and an abundance of willingness to listen to other people. So there is definitely an openness about them, whether or not it's exactly what you mean by abundance, but certainly an openness to hear and listen to what other people have to say. We've also talked about curiosity. We had some thoughts about that. Yeah, I think that's I think that's a huge trait uh, to look for in someone who's going to be a, a strong leader for the future of work because there there needs to be this uh, this dedication towards uh, building yourself up into a T-shaped leader and even you know beyond that a N shape or M shaped leader as well too multiple spikes um, and, and I think you can't get there unless you're connecting dots, right? You have to be talking to people, you have to have diverse networks, you have to be someone who's constantly reading and, and exploring and, and questioning yourself as well too. Uh, and, and I think those who put themselves in boxes, right, who have that, that sort of fixed mindset, right, who, who say, you know, I am this, I am not that, you know, I'm, I'm not good at coding, I'm not good at math, I'm the, the design person, or I'm the marketer, or I'm this and that, and oh, they're so good, they're so good at this, you know, thinking back to your lottery uh, example of saying, oh, they're the ones who win the lottery, I'm the unlucky one, right, like, so, so if, you, if you have that sort of fixed mindset, uh, it's very difficult for you to see the possibilities right standing almost in front of your face, mm-hmm. right? And uh, those who have the growth mindset uh, are those who are willing to learn from mistakes, willing to be resilient in the face of adversity, curious about other areas that maybe they aren't an expert right away and they're okay being a, a public beginner, which is a scary thing for a lot of people. Uh, and when you do that, you you all of a sudden, you know, sort of, uh, create more connections in your brain, right? More, more of these synapses start firing, and those that those neural networks start getting stronger, and you can then start making connections. Which all of these businesses that are disruptive today are about connections, right? They're not sitting in isolation. They're about connecting dots that people didn't see, mm-hmm. and and that's where really strong leadership, strategic leadership, comes into play. So that seems to suggest that the growth mindset is either something you have or you haven't, and I'm curious about seeing that in action. Mm-hmm. And Rick, you talked about an example of somebody you actually had developed um, and what you saw. So tell me us about what you saw and a little bit more about this person because it's a nice example. Yeah, I think the the joy of curiosity is what it feeds as well. So if you think about curiosity and you say, what what does that that deliver to a person? So it delivers a sense of, I want to find out something, so I'm going to learn. When I learn, I have more knowledge. What am I learning? I'm learning things that support my team. I'm learning things that support me in my development. So I get context. And those are incredibly powerful things when you're making decisions. If you don't have the right context, you're probably going to make a poor decision. If you don't make the connections with other issues, you might make a great short-term decision. You're not going to make a great long-term decision. And so one of the things I've always found is people who have a relentless curiosity, and they sort of couple that with drive, are the people I tend to be attracted to as potential future leaders because they have those attributes that mean they can build and they can build and they can build. What it also means is they're genuinely adaptable. 
So new facts mean new decisions. One of the things I think organisations often struggle with is that ability to pivot mm. because a decision has been made. But if the decision was made on a set of facts which are no longer relevant because somebody's found more information or somebody's challenged something, we've changed our view, why don't we pivot? And often that's such a difficult thing for organisations to do because they're so much invested in the decision. What you see in those people who are curious and those people who are adaptable is they're willing to say, maybe this isn't the right decision. It was my decision two weeks ago. It may not be my decision today. And that's okay. Those are the types of people that are going to be brilliant in most cases in a digital disrupted environment because facts will change, things will change priorities will change at a pace we can't use traditional governance or traditional hierarchies to deliver to us. So uh, that's why when I look at the potential of people, I look at some of those things as being quite foundational to their ability to manage in a, in a highly flexible and highly changing environment. Mm. So we've talked about growth mindset, we've talked about being adaptable and flexible. What about resilience? Do you think that's something that we can spot in a leader that we think is important for the future? I think resilience is a really important feature for a leader and I deal with a lot of high achieving, highly motivated, very talented younger people and um, I think one of the things to look for is how much they've been able to get to where they've got to by themselves. Um, a lot of people that I talk to have been enabled to achieve um, and I think when they've had to go through some tough times and do something for themselves it makes a massive difference you know and if we're going to be practical about this I don't think anyone should ever interview anybody without asking the question what's the worst situation you've ever had to deal with personally and how did you deal with it we need to find out whether we've got people who can cope when things go wrong because they sure as heck will <laughs> yeah so you, you can look for that in a track record, you can look for that in a CV, you can look for that in how you've kind of navigated your way through life. Do you think it's something that we can help develop? So if we move on from identifying uh, these uh, leaders of the future now to developing them, do you think you can develop resilience through, for example, things like leadership programmes? Yes, absolutely, I believe. Uh, so, again, it depends on what scale and what type of resilience you need. Like, you know, do, does somebody need to be always resilient? Are there pockets of time where they need to, to you know, dig deep and, and overcome an obstacle? And I think everybody, as they grow up, have to, you know, they, everybody has always been resilient. As a child, you're resilient because your friends don't talk to you and then you go to university and, you know, you have to live with other people. So there's, there are levels of resilience built in. People mightn't at interview, for example, know to call out those particular things as in a time when they were resilient. But, um, you know, there are lots of ways to build resilience. So you can build them into training programs through your organisation. I think, you know, actually... Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I completely agree. I think it is. Some, I don't think this is a nature nurture situation. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think it very much is something where you you can. Yes, people might have a certain proclivity towards risk taking and you know putting themselves in difficult situations, and that could be part of upbringing. Uh, however, uh, I think if you put people in positions where 
they are forced to perform uh, in ways in which they don't have the amount of information that they feel comfortable with uh, delivering and particularly high achieving people who have high standards, right? So they want to do well and they want as much information as possible uh, and they're used to having all the resources at their disposal depending on how corporate and you know uh, abundant the resources have been in the previous environments they've been in. Um, that's just a muscle they build up, right? And so I think our program, you know, we, we are doing that. Uh, we actually threw a wrench in the first uh, <laughs> session they had. We gave them a mission, and then the next day we're like, oh, actually the brief has changed. Here's the new brief. You know, 24 hours later, they're like, oh, okay, we're, we're doing a new brief. And, and that's how startups are. That's how scale-ups are. That's how organizations are. They get new information, and they change course. And if you start getting used to that, there's two ways you could respond to that sort of thing. You could say, okay, this is how we change, let's adapt, let's move forward, let's take this new information as a gift. Or you could take that new information and treat it like it's a burden, right? Like, ugh, they changed the dynamic on me, that's awful. And it's like, well, it's also the truth. So do you want to just stick to the old brief that's incorrect? Or do you want to move to move forward with the world, right? And I think, um, you know, going back to identifying, the, by default, the ones who are successful leaders will treat that new information as a gift. And then those who are, you know, need to be developed, they'll learn that that is beneficial to them to get on board with change. And then leaders need to create an environment and foster an environment where people can fail and fail fast, quickly, and move on. And 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 that's okay. You know, where often you're just not allowed to even talk about your failures. So it, it, that resilience and building that muscle goes hand in glove with the, an environment and a culture where failing fast is okay. And you learn as long as you learn from it. Clearly, if somebody keeps failing at the same thing time and time again, that's, they're not capable of doing their job, and that's a whole other ball game. But actually, you know, if you fail and move the needle forward, then that's a good thing. I think the point about how you receive that information is incredibly powerful. So there's personal resilience, which is how am I going to deal with the situation, and then almost the, the, the organizational resilience is how do I then reflect that back. So is this a problem or is it an opportunity? The teams who treat it as an opportunity will tend to do better than the teams who treat it like a bird. And that whole failing fast thing so, uh, is a really, it's a really interesting problem, because I think it is a problem. And I was dealing with some aspects of my team when we were talking about how do, how do we help the team fail fast and I said I don't think it's failing mm. I think it's learning mm-hmm. so I don't want the word failing there because I don't think it's a failure very good yeah all we're doing is learning something new and when we learn it we take it on board and then we change mm. but if we label it as failure for so many of the people who sit around us that is a word that has almost a, a cultural immovable meaning and trying to sort of change it overnight or change it over the course of two years by telling people it's okay to fail doesn't really change that. They have a lifetime of learning that says failing is bad. But learning is good. (laughs) And so change it into learning because that's all they're doing. And so that's the way we've started to talk about it um, in some of the teams I've managed because I think it's so much more positive and so much more meaningful. That's all we're doing. We've learned how to do something in a different way. Uh, which we think may be slightly better than the way we, we were doing it before. Okay, let's do it that way. Yeah, no, I love that. That's great. <laughs> so you're giving your folks in that setting the permission to flex their muscles, if you yeah. will, to learn. Um, and it's interesting, isn't it? Because some people deal with feedback better than others. Um, and I think that probably starts with the individual themselves and whether or not they can cope with it. 
So there's something for me about starting with the individual for learning when they're on their development journey, uh, rather than starting with the kind of acquired skills, the functional skills. I'm just kind of curious about your views in terms of how individual leaders can work on themselves and, and what the organisation can do to help them do that as well in, in developing their skills. I think it's very important in the sort of organisations I work for, which I um, often very tritely say are staffed by um, um, insecure overachievers. Um, and actually, that fear of failure is really, really strong in them. The drive that they have to be successful and the measures that they have for success are so personally inbuilt that their punishment is all self-inflicted. And I do think that self-inflicted punishment <laughs> for amazingly high standards um, has to be managed. And I do th we haven't really talked about it today, but I do think there is a massive risk of tipping into mental health problems when you have a whole bunch of insecure overachievers. So we do, I think, it's right to talk about the leaders, but it's also for them to understand the people they are leading and the high standards they set for them as individuals. So we've covered the organisation and how they have a role to play. We've talked about the leader and how not just they develop, but also the environment, the climate, if you will, that they set for others. And I, and I love the idea of just banning the word failure. Actually, it is all about learning. Mm. What are our sort of final thoughts um, as we close our discussion here in terms of your kind of one top tip or your one recommendation or your one reflection, actually, on uh, identifying and developing the leaders of the future? I just wanted to double down on what Rick said because I thought that was such a good point about reframing the word failure and making it something more accessible to people because I think that's that's huge. And so one other metaphor that I think could also be helpful for that is the concept of operating like a scientist. Because scientists don't consider themselves failures every time they run an experiment and it doesn't come out the way that they expected, right? They take a method, they try to, they try to get a, a hypothesis addressed and they find out whether or not that hypothesis was correct or incorrect, all in the pursuit of breakthrough, right? And I think leaders for the future of work need to be operating much more like scientists, right? Constantly taking risks, making these hypotheses, all moving forward and forward with new information and supporting others as future scientists behind them. Very good. I think one of the reflections I, I would have is, is if we recruit this new generation, like whatever ages they are, but you bring into the organisation leaders with, with these new skills, you know, from top to bottom, and they're not supported with good line management or good leadership, um, and it's a clash of like, well, these, these are the skills we know we need, but actually the receiving people aren't ready to receive them and manage that type of people. You're just wasting your time. So actually this whole thing has to start from the top as a really, you know, this is what we need from in, throughout the organization. This is what we need. And the top leadership team, the top team has to buy into that as a concept so that we can be successful. Yeah, I work for an organization that has true purpose that the leaders believe in. For sure, absolutely sure. I would say that uh, the point about uh, management is a really, 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 really important one. So if you want to change the way your company performs, you, you're changing the skill sets you're deploying, you're changing the mindset that you put into the organisation, you're changing the focus and strategy of the organisation, that's a huge task. It's, 
it's easy to talk about that task as being for the most senior leaders. Reality is the delivery is all in the more junior leaders. And the amount of time we spend helping those people transform the company is just as important as the amount of time developing the strategy, if not way more important in my view. And those are the people who often struggle the most, but when you get that right, it can be fundamentally impactful to whether your company is successful in the cultural change that it wants to uh, deliver. But a, a bit more focus about how we empower those managers to do a fantastic job uh, in a way that they probably haven't been asked to do it before is, is so critical to the way things will change. Fabulous. So leadership at all levels, in actual fact, to, to really make that change happen. Well, I think that's a wrap. Uh, we'll close it there. And thank you, uh, Wendy, again, and CM Murray for the lovely, fantastic, luscious opportunity <laughs> we've had today to uh, discuss this exciting topic. Thank you. And thank you to all the panellists for your valuable insights as well. It's such an interesting and hot topic, and I'm sure we could carry on talking for hours and hours, and everybody listening will have their own view and experience of what is a good and what is a bad leader. Uh, if you did miss today's conference or if you would like to find out more about the International Forum of Senior Executives, then please do visit the forum's webpage at www.cm-murray.com forward slash IFSEA. Or you can follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn by searching IF, IFSEA Network or by following hashtag IFSEA2020. You can be a member of the forum and gain access to more podcasts and future conferences and other networking events. Thank you for listening and please don't forget to like and share this podcast. Thank you.